Welcome to Under the Radar, the podcast that shines a spotlight on the most exciting yet low-key crypto gems in the space through conversations with top builders, influencers, and innovators who are making waves under the radar, but right in front of you. Stay connected. Head over to utrshow.com where you can join our community and be part of the conversation. Don't forget to give us a retweet and share with your friends. This is Under the Radar. And yeah, hey, thanks to everybody for coming out to the AMA with Sonic here. We're excited to talk to them. It's a product we really like. I actually bought Sonic on the first day it launched, maybe an hour or two after it launched. Um, and yeah, so I know I'm pretty familiar with their product, um, with the project. And Cairo's really familiar with using it. So yeah, I actually, I bought it the first day. I had no idea what it was. I just always liked Sonic Hedgehog as a kid. So I. I remember we were uh, sitting in a chat and I, I, I saw it come up and um, I just bought a bag and then I made like a 10X or something and sold it. And then uh, then I figured out what it did and looked into it. And, and well, anyways, I bought I bought back about 3X higher because that's how good traders do things. <laughs> and uh, I've been using it ever since. So, yeah. Don't, well, that's good. Uh, don't always take trading advice from me. Well, let's get started here. Um, I know you want to go into philosophy, Cairo, but right before we do that, maybe uh, Sonic, you could tell us about your background in blockchain and what led you to create Sonic and, and you know why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so from a background aspect, um, I've been a software developer for you know eight, nine, maybe 10 years around that region. Um, I worked in the fintech area. Um, before I got involved in, you know, the, the blockchain or cryptocurrency scene and um, worked my way up through um, to eventually becoming a, a lead developer for a company in my, my area. Um, and then it was actually some friends that introduced me to um, cryptocurrency in general. And, you know, the, they were making, you know, good money from trading on Uniswap and, and whatnot. So it was them that got me involved um, in crypto. And then obviously having a development background, um, some of my friends asked me, and they says, look, there's lots of other people doing this kind of thing, like building the snipers or anything in general just to, to improve your trading abilities and, you know, get you better entries or just it, it, for everything to just work generally faster to combine, you know, multiple softwares that you might be using to have like an all-in-one solution. So I, I kick-started that maybe around two years ago now, a year and a half ago, somewhere in that region. Um, so Sonic, actually, the software um, was was in development long before Sonic was actually a product. Um, me and a couple of my friends were using this software um, privately amongst ourselves for, for some time. And then, obviously, something happened with another, another project that offered similar tools to us. Um, I won't name them for obvious reasons, but after what happened with them, you know, we kind of, I kind of noticed a, a gap in the market, um, and obviously I had the feeling that, our, that my tools were a lot better um, and even user-friendlier, which is obviously a big aspect because a lot of people that they might use the tools are not necessarily um, tech-savvy. So I spotted that gap in the market and decided, you know what, I'll take my private tools and make them public. I'll try and give everybody, you know, access to do, you know, what, 
everybody just you know to, to level the playing field almost in a certain extent and just to offer better services to everybody and obviously the rug protection side on top of it's a big thing as well that's a, a big area of the space that needs you know looked into or something needs done from somebody there's only certain things that we can do in the forms of you know rug protection but somebody has to come in and you know stamp out that whole area of the space in general um, but for now obviously all we can really do is you know offer tools to protect investors and generally do our best to keep the space clean. Great explanation. Did, did you say that you had built this for yourself and then you decided to uh, release it for others and, and build it? Yes. So I was using it myself for, you know, six, seven, eight months before Sonic actually became a product. Um, it was It was never intended to be a product. Um, for the public, but like I said, there was there was an opportunity arised in the market with another project, you know, going downhill and essentially scamming. Um, so I decided to capitalise on on that space that had been opened up, um, and like I touched on, I just felt that the tools that I had built were head and shoulders above what the the previous projects had offered. So I decided that now was a good time to to bring bring my software out for everybody to use. So that's why, um, you know, when we came out, we weren't necessarily riddled with bugs and, you know, all the things you'd expect from a new project. It had already been battle-tested to a certain extent well before launch because it had been used in a private manner for, for obviously some time and, you know, care had been taken to develop and think about every scenario and things like that. So that's, I think, why when we came out, we were straight away head and shoulders above, you know, most, if not all, other competitors on the market. And I think that was something I was just going to touch on is how it was back tested so thoroughly by yourself before you ever released it to the public. Yeah, like I say, that had been, you know, months, um, you know, not far away right. from the year, six, seven, eight months. And how um, long did it take you? Sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, but that wasn't obviously constant development. It was just, you know, tweaks as in we needed new features that you know myself that I felt was needed for the software and generally over time you know if, if you ever saw the first iterations of what is now Sonic you know it, looks, it would look nothing like it does today and that's obviously just through time and mm-hmm. using the software myself to get it to the place where it was on release. And how long did it take you to kind of refine the software to get it to where you thought it was adequate to release the public? Was it the entire eight months or did, was it ready before that? No, no, it was ready to go by that point. Um, it generally took me, you know, maybe two or three iterations of using it myself. So the, the early version, you know, it was there wasn't so much a user interface. It was it was working from config files, which is obviously fine for somebody that's got a technical background. Um, but then obviously that came with its own headaches of just being difficult to manage you know it wasn't clean it wasn't easy to sell so I went through another iteration where I started building in a UI and you know it just went through iteration of iteration where new features were added it was cleaned up more quality of life stuff was added mainly for myself because um, obviously that I left my job and this then became my full-time my full-time um, income so uh, right. trade in general was my full-time income so obviously making the tools that I was using as, mm-hmm. as, and as, far as, as far as like difficulty level building something like sonic goes for developers obviously you're used to be a software engineer or you are a software engineer where would you place the difficulty level you know for most developers in building a product like this that's so advanced um you definitely need to know you, you obviously need a deep understanding of um software 
in itself. Um, the biggest challenge for me, obviously coming from a non, coming from a outside of the blockchain, was learning all the the way the blockchain works. That was the biggest challenge for me when I first stepped into it. Because um, as much as you know about software development, um, the blockchain's a whole different thing in itself. So obviously there's a learning curve and and getting you know up to speed on how everything works and that kind of went hand in hand with all the iterations you know as i became more familiar with the workings of the blockchain and uh, i began to think of new features or different ways to do things that obviously just made the product better um so i would say you obviously need a deep understanding um, and given the nature of the product where you know speed is of great importance you also need to have a deep understanding of um you know like overheads in your code um using the right methods to do certain things. Obviously, if you've got bloat in, in the code base and stuff, it's only going to slow you down. So a lot of it was also just efficiency um, and fine-tuning, refining the code to be more efficient because, you know, in this space, every every millisecond or even smaller than that makes a big difference when it comes to uh, especially sniping. Um, manual like manual swaps and things are not as speed... Um, you know, they're not as... It's not as important with your speed, um, but obviously the, the testing aspect as well is you're dealing with people who are using your tools with their own money and stuff, so it has to be well tested and thinking of multiple scenarios and stuff. So yeah, you definitely need to have a deep understanding of, of software in general as well as the blockchain to, to build this kind of software. Right, so you have to be very, very proficient in the, you know, and have a background in, in software engineering and blockchain. Yeah, okay. Uh, even if you just spend time, you know, I, I, I'm completely self-taught. I, um, I guess what I'm subtly getting at is that you're much, much better of a developer than a majority of devs in crypto, right? So um, it's, hard, it's hard to speak to that. I mean, there, there, there is obviously very good devs in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's very little. There's, there's not many real developers in the space. Um, but the ones that are here, you know, there is some very, very talented people um, that are, you know, running some of the projects. Right. Oh, sorry, man. I was going to hand it over to you for your philosophy. Oh, I was just going to say I love the humility (laughs) from the dev um, because it is absolutely one of the best, if not the best. um, uh, Well, and I shouldn't even say sniping uh, programs because there's a whole suite of goods, which definitely want to talk about. Um, But I love that you birthed this from a place of you built it for yourself. Self. you know just just sorry um can you guys, can you guys hear me um yeah i think Dude. i think we might be losing you i every time i'm on spaces uh my like freaking family calls me all the time it's just insane but uh anyways so um yeah i i, I like things birthed out of a need that you had and then you said, let's open it up for other people because, I mean, that's it, – it's not in a cash grab, right? You saw an opportunity and you said, well, maybe this can benefit people. Um, now, yeah, let's, uh, let's just quickly review a little bit of philosophy behind sniping because I think there's a lot of um, – absolutely, there's like bad actors that snipe. And those people, we all know who they are, at least most of them. They're notorious. They buy up 20% of the project and they dump it and blah, 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 blah. Um, But honestly, uh, I think we're kind of moving forward and more people are starting to use them now too. And they'll buy their 1% or half percent or whatever they normally would buy. It's actually things like this give the 
give the guy who doesn't know how to code their own snipers the ability to get in early. So I think this is actually needed to level the playing field. Um, But I wanted to ask both of you, um, and I'm sure, at least Sonic Dev, I'm sure you know, it sounds like you've been in the the game for a while uh, making these things. When did sniping really start? And um, where has it kind of uh, came from? And where have you seen it going? And uh, it seems like in the past, it was really tough to get access to one. Like you had to know how to code and no one was sharing. Um, But it's kind of changing. So I wanted to hear both of your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, So there was a couple of questions there. So... um, um, sorry. So, obviously, you, you touched on that. It was harder. Um, you know, it was a, it was very hush hush at one point, and obviously, people weren't willing to share. Um, I think that comes down to the fact that it was very lucrative. Um, the people, you know, that did have the technical abilities to build these things, it was never in their interests to to share it. When when I first started, you know, getting involved, like say maybe a, a year ago or just less, we were already starting to get to the stage now where it was becoming more abundant there was a lot more people had access to this kind of software um, i do know a couple of people that that had their own private stuff you know before i got involved and you know back then there wasn't a lot um in the market in terms of people that were sniping things were a lot different and um, you know i know people that their their idea of sniping was they used to just manually buy through etherscan and um, writing directly to the router and stuff so that was like the, the early iterations of sniping from their point of view and then I guess just over time as crypto became more popular in general um, obviously the tech space in general with it being new emerging tech a lot of people with you know technical backgrounds probably started to, to take interest in the blockchain so there was more people coming on board that had the ability or the understanding to, to build this software so I think that kind of explains why we're seeing more and more uptake and why you know, tools are becoming barely available because, you know, all these packages and modules that people are building open source that people use to, to write their software, um, you know, these kind of things, this is all part of the process of these people of technical knowledge getting involved in the crypto space in general. Very well. CF, uh, what, what, did, what do you think and where have you seen it come? Um, at first I thought sniping was uh, the most evil thing on the planet. Right. <laughs> I really despise that people that were using it. But, you know, at that point in time, I only saw people using it who were using it to, you know, buy up 10, 20 percent of the plan and dump the entire supply on charts. And um, but just like you said, over time, as the space has evolved and the kind of software that we use, that we used to use, like we talked about with Uniswap and KibaSwap and other things. And I'm not putting these things down. We have to use them. We do use them for now. Um, you know, they kind of evolved into this unwanted um unwanted feature and unwanted thing we, that we that we're all forced to use none of us really want to use these things they're slow they're terrible you have to adjust this adjust that right it takes time you're late getting in it fails three times right and so as we've evolved over this you know as the technologies evolved we've kind of all been gearing towards this. And now that you see these things kind of failing and everyone having the same issues, I wouldn't really call it a sniping tool. I'd more just say it's a more efficient router to the contract. Um, and if you use it, and not everybody is, and if you use it ethically, like you're just loading one wallet, and you just want to buy something. It's certainly a much more effective way of getting, right. Getting, getting, getting in something. 
So yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Man, I, I, I agree with you to the T. I, I used to hate it. And if I saw like a sniper in the chat or someone that bots, I was like, Oh God, um, I wouldn't even buy it. But, but yeah, I agree. I, I, I love how you, you put it. It's just a more effective way to buy from the router. It's like, you can go through like a, you know, let's like direct a source. Like you can go yeah. to Whole Foods and get your veggies, or you can just go straight to the farm. It's cheaper and faster and easier. You get exactly what you want when you want it. And right. I agree. And most people don't have time to manage five, 10 wallets, even four wallets. I only use, you know, I don't use Sonic. I haven't sniped. Uh, I would, I would like to use some kind of a routing system eventually because everything fails so often. Um, but, um, but I can only manage like one wallet at a time. I don't, I just too busy with everything else. So these people who, it would be very few people who are actually managing this, this amount of these, these, like a high amount of wallets. Anyways. Uh, so Sonic, why don't you talk about, I guess, initially kind of your product overview and like maybe tap on a few of the, your favorite features and why they're your favorite features of the product and why they're, why they're useful to people. Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, there's there's quite a lot to cover. Um, as over time since we've been out, we've just you know there's been new features added or new utilities. You know, we offer a, a few niche sure. utilities. Um, so I'll I'll try and go through as much as possible. Um, but there's there's three core aspects to the project. Um, so we have the the sniping element, we have the mirror trading element, and we have the the fast swaps or the manual swaps that element as well. So obviously, the sniping element is fairly self-explanatory, um, although it is quite complex. We do offer, you know, a lot of um, functionality in terms of handling different scenarios that can happen when a contract launches, because I'm sure many of you are aware that the there are steps that certain contracts will implement to try and prevent um, snipers or anything like that. Um, so the product is simple. You, you, you populate the, the details of the of the contract or project you're looking to buy, um, you configure the amounts that you're looking to buy and the parameters. We have a guide um, posted where you know you can read more information about the kind of functionality the sniper has as a whole. There's a lot to cover um, in this AMA. Um, you select the wallets that you would like to buy from, and then you you basically click start, and then that's that running. So that will just run in the background. You know you don't have to have your computer on or your your phone. Um, I should mention as well, all of our um, features also work on your mobile, so you can use it on the go um, or at your desktop, whatever's easier for yourself. Um, but you leave that running, and that will just sit um, and wait for the launch to happen. It'll it'll buy the specified amount that you set up for. Um, and then you'll be able to manage your purchases from inside the application as well. So you can see clearly, you know, say you selected two wallets, you can see the balance of both of those wallets, the current price of those, both of those wallets. Um, you can sell directly from the application. You can specify, you know, the gas and smell, uh, sell small amounts, 50%, you know, all these different things. So you have full control of your balances from within the application. You never actually need to leave the Sonic app at any point throughout the whole process, which is obviously a big selling point. Um, and everything is obviously a lot faster as well. If you're using Uniswap, um, I'm sure you all be aware of the headaches it is. Jumping through MetaMask takes ages to load. If you want to change the gas, you have to edit it. And, you know, it's just a, a slow process. And by the time that's happened, you know, you could have missed one or two blocks potentially. And by that point, your prices came down 50%. Um, so, the, the speed aspect um, is obviously a big selling point on that as well. 
Um, we have rug protection tied into both the sniping element, actually to all three elements, rug protection is built into. Um, so that will monitor your purchases and if it detects you know, malicious activity on the contracts of the developers changing the taxes to 99% if they're removing liquidity, um, the software will front run those transactions and pulling out obviously as much of your investment as as possible so you know we have many scenarios from our users where they've actually been rugged but they made a profit because the the, the software's got them out before and um, the rug took place now there is some caveats to that obviously we're not going to sell your tokens for you um on really high way where it's going to cost 0.2 in transaction fees but your tokens are only worth you know a 0.505 it doesn't make sense to sell for a loss so there is there is some caveats to be aware of when it comes to the rug protection um the other element we have is the mirror trading where you you specify a wallet that you wish to mirror the trades off um, and that will just watch that wallet's transactions and it will buy the same tokens that that wallet's buying and um, it will sell when they sell um, so if they sell 20% of the tokens you'll also sell 20% of your tokens obviously these options are um, toggleable, so you can turn them on, you can turn them off depending on your preferences. Rug protection, like I mentioned, is also tied into the mirror trades as well. And everything after a purchase is made, regardless of it being a manual swap, a snipe, or a mirror trade, the UI for after that point is exactly the same. So if you're familiar with one, you'll be familiar with them all. The way that you manage your investments after purchase is the same across all three, all three features. Um, so you know it's a unified way, so that everybody, regardless of you know if you're hopping between different pro uh, different sections of the product, um, it's a familiar interface for you to work from. And then the third main feature we have is the manual swap. So that's we 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 categorize it as like a Uniswap on steroids almost. Um, so you you simply just need a contract address. You paste in the contract address. It'll automatically select the pair for you. It's worth noting as well um, that you know. It, through any part of Sonic, we only deal with Ethereum. So if you're buying a contract that's, say, um, paired with USDC or any other pair for that matter, we'll automatically bridge your ETH to the pair to the token. So you only ever need to hold ETH on your wallets. I believe Uniswap does that sometimes, but it's, it's you know 50% of the time it doesn't work. Um, so you'll always be dealing with Ethereum, so you're only managing one balance, which is obviously a lot easier as well. And the same applies to when you sell. You know, it'll sell the tokens back to Ethereum, regardless of what token it's paired with. Um, so back to, obviously, the manual swap. Um, you paste the contract address in. Um, it'll select the pair for you, the router. It'll automatically detect if it's on you know, Shiba Swap, Sushi Swap, Uniswap. It'll automatically deta uh, detect the taxes of the contract, so it'll adjust your slippage automatically. So if the, the buy tax is 5%, Sonic will put you in the range of you know 7 to 8% for your buy. You can obviously customise that all the way up to 100% if you wish. Um, you know, if you're dealing with a very high volume launch where it's got you know tax in place and you know a max transaction limit, you're unlikely to get nevved for large amounts. So you know you can be a little bit more brute force on your slippage to guarantee that entry. Um, and then obviously you can. We also have handy handy buttons on on the, the screen, which will display information when it is available of the match transaction limit. So if you paste in a contract address, and it's got a one percent match transaction limit, there will be a button appear that says you know match transaction limit. You click that, and it'll automatically populate the the token amount that you're trying to purchase to one percent of the supply or that match transaction limit. So you know, you don't have to manually type in any of these numbers. It'll just you know gives you all the functionality you need to get in there quickly by and then get straight straight through to you know managing your investment. 
Um, you can customise the gas easily at the click of a few buttons to, you know, if you want to, if it's a high volume launch, you want to get in really early in the block, you can go high gas to ensure you get that early entry. And obviously, due to the nature of the, the software, you're not having to jump through your wallet to, to edit gas, which, like I've touched on previously, that takes time. It can sometimes result in you missing a block or two, and by that time, the price is maybe 2 or 3x, and you end up with a much later entry. Um, and then you can select multiple wallets for that purchase as well. So if you want to buy, you know, zero point one eth of a token, you could you could um, buy it on two wallets at the click of a button as well. And then once that purchase has gone through, like I touched on earlier, that everything is managed on the execute page where you can see your your balances of each wallet that's purchased, and you can sell them individually. You can sell them all, and then obviously you have that rug protection built in after after the fact. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What I found most interesting, too, is how you guys will actually execute a transaction, like in an event of a scam or a liquidity event. You know, nothing else I've seen that does that. Um, and in your experience, uh, have you seen that work well when it comes to people getting scammed or, you know, things like that? Um, obviously, like I touched on towards the start, is I've obviously been using the software for, for some amount of time. And um, we've had good feedback from the you know, the, the rug protect, uh, protection system, you know, there is, there's always going to be some cases where, you know, it maybe makes a wrong judgment or it, it doesn't make the correct judgment. Um, but overall, we've had very good feedback. And, you know, like I touched on, there's been people that have, that have been rugged, but the software's got them out and they're still profited from a snipe, but due to the, the anti-scam kicking in. And obviously, some protection's better than no protection. Um, to my knowledge, the the rug protection system we've got is is probably the best from from what I've seen out there. Um, I know there is you know maybe a couple others that do have some level of protection. And um, we did do a couple of graphics that kind of went more in detail about the, the specific scenarios that we we protect against. And you know I think we cover a lot more basis than right. than what is out there at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to like I know you guys are house people's private keys. What kind of security do you guys use to kind of keep those safeguarded? Is there a certain type or is it an easy thing? So, um, first of all, just to, 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 to touch on that, is we advise everybody that's using our software or our platform right. to do not attach any wallets that have anything of value. You know, these are you should always use essentially a burner wallet. Um, at all times, you know, never hold, you know, our, our system um, for any of you that we used to have saw. But if you have, you know, large amounts of ether on a wallet, there's there's alerts in place to say, you know, look, there's maybe a wee bit too much ether in here. You, you know, start uh, skimming profits onto, you know, hardware wallets or a wallet that's not hosted within our system. So we always take those steps because obviously you want to protect yourself. Um, so always use burner wallets and keep only enough on it to trade. If you may, if you get a good trade, you make good profit. Just transfer it off to a hardware wallet or another external wallet that's not in the system, just for your own protection. In terms of how we store the private keys, so all the private keys are encrypted um, in storage. So you know they're not even readable to me. Um, the they're stored on Amazon um, inside a VPC, which is not accessible to the public. And it can only be accessed from within that VPC. Um, and obviously, it's, it's, it's locked down as you really can be um, in terms of who can access that. And even if there were somebody was to gain access to you know, that data, it is encrypted anyway. And without the, the key that was used to encrypt it, it can't be uh, unencrypted. So we take, obviously, 
all the steps possible to ensure that that data is as secure as can be. Um, you know, I can't even see the the private keys of users. There's no there's no need for it. Um, now only the application and. Some of the other stuff, like I, I did build extra steps into the software. Um, so anytime, obviously, the software itself does need to be able to see those private keys in order to, to execute the transactions. So anytime a request for a private key is made, it has to be made from um, one of the whitelisted IPs from our you know servers that we have that run all the applications. So it can only come from one of those servers. Um, otherwise, it will just refuse to decrypt it. Um, and obviously those servers themselves are all locked down um, on Amazon or some other hosting providers as well where they're only accessible from whitelisted IPs. They can't be accessed from the outside and things like that. So we do have quite a robust system, but obviously you never say never, which is why we always advise users to to use the burner wallets and keep only what they need for trading on those wallets. And, and you can easily, depending on your tier and how many wallets you can utilize, you can easily just say so you have five wallets. You you could change them every week. You could change them every day. You could change them every hour, because yeah, the, the, you you hold your Sonic in your wallet. And I do want to talk about the tiers as well. Oh, can, we can't forget to talk about that. But yeah, I I, I switched some out. It was easy. Uh, I will say with the automatic rug protection, one thing that really, uh, well, it it, <laughs> it wrecked me. <laughs> I had bought a coin. And then the dev did like a fake liquidity pool and it just completely wrecked me. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I deserve that, right? But I, I, I bought in like block five. So um, I don't know. Is there anything to mitigate that where those devs try this uh, tricky little BS like that? Yeah, so we have some uh, something, sorry, some things in place already and we've, we've been making tweaks to it because that's something that's been happening um, you know, fairly often throughout the, the lifespan of Sonic. Um, so, you know, we've added things like if the devs removing liquidity, um, we check how much of the liquidity they're actually removing. If it's if it's less than 10%, I think it is at the moment, then we just ignore it. Um, one of the other things they'll do is they'll, they'll remove liquidity on very low slippage. Um, so obviously once anybody sells, it's going to fail for slippage. So we've added some checks for that as well. Um, and there's various other things, but there is some scenarios that obviously it just can't. You can't determine whether or not it's a true scam event or not. And um, we do offer the option for people to disable the anti-rug if they choose. Um, you know, if they're buying something they know is safe, for example, if you're not just you know aping into something that's a, a new live pair that you've got no idea about, and um, you can turn it off so that it won't you know trigger on any event. Um, but it's okay. like a cat mouse game to a certain extent, but. Um, one of the difficulties is you can never really tell. There is, you know, certain like the fake remove liquidities, like we just mentioned, you can tell with them. But if somebody's blacklisting a router or a paid address, um, it's impossible to tell, like, pragmatically what the intention of the dev is at that point. If they're doing it as malicious or they're doing it as a shakeout, um, so there is there is obviously some drawbacks to that, which is why we offer the option for people to to disable it if they wish. Okay. Well, yeah, and I actually ended up seeing that after, and I knew it was safe, and I was like, dang it, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, the dev actually, he did the whole, like, trick liquidity pool that relaunch uh, within, like, five minutes and sent the tokens out. I didn't get any. I was like, Dude, what the hell? Um, but, uh, anyways, okay, so that's nice. You can disable it. It's awesome you guys are working on that because, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of ratio or something. Um, and it's kind of cool, right? 
uh, apes and, and, and devs. It's like this game of cat and mouse, you know, who can, you know, we're all playing cards. It's like, who's going to win here? Who can out trick each other. Um, now, uh, can you uh, briefly discuss the tiers? How many tiers there are? And some of the tiers you need to pay a weekly amount, I believe, which uh, I believe goes to buybacks and burns, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but then the other tiers, you actually just have to hold a certain amount of the tokens and, and you're, you know, you can use it uh, essentially with, with no uh, continuous payment, right? Yeah, so that um, actually applies to all of the tiers up, um, outside of Platinum, which is a top tier. So we have four tiers um, at the moment, which is the, the bronze, silver, gold and platinum. Um, so the three the three tiers below platinum can be accessed either by holding a specific amount of tokens, um, which negates the need to pay the weekly fee, or you hold the minimum amount of tokens, um, which at the moment is 0.25% supply or 2.5 million tokens, and then pay the weekly fee on top. So for bronze, bronze is always free. Um, you need to hold the, the 2.5 million tokens and you get bronze free, no no weekly payment. Silver is free if you hold 0.35%, uh, 3.5 million tokens, or you can subscribe to it if holding the 2.5 million tokens for, I believe it's $75 a week. And then we have the gold tier, which is free if you hold 1%, um, but you need to hold a minimum of 0.5%, so it's 5 million tokens, in order to subscribe to the gold tier. And then the platinum tier, which is um, you know our top tier, it's the fastest tier. Um, it's actually brought a lot of people to us just because of how fast it has been. Um, you know, it's it's on par, if not better, than the vast majority of even private level software out there. Um, you need to hold one point five percent of the supply plus pay three hundred fifty dollars a month. That's not a weekly one. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of questions asked on why. There was the month, uh, the, the the subscription aspect to the model, um, you know, throughout the period of the project, and the main reason for that is the the level of you know infrastructure that we need to to run in order to to manage all of this and you know to operate at scale and to account for growth. Um, our our monthly outgoings are you know they're not they're not small, and for a utility token where people hold the token, you know, there's not a lot of volume, there's not a lot of you know back and forth. Um, income from tax, you know, doesn't necessarily. You have dry periods and stuff, but it doesn't fully meet what's required in terms to run the project. So the subscription model was a way that we could ensure stability, which was a big thing for us. You know, we didn't want to launch, and three months down the line, we were unable to continue just because there was not enough income coming through to to support the infrastructure required. So it was it was more about stability and making sure that regardless of you know. If we had a thousand users or we had you know fifty users, that we were still able to operate and provide the service to everybody that wanted and needed it. Okay, awesome. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I went with uh, the second highest because I was like, "There's no monthly fee or whatever." But that, I mean, uh, yes. Yeah, you can access them all without a monthly, a weekly fee, but it's, it's dependent on your, your token holdings. Um, the, the information's on our website about how many tokens you need to hold to get it for free, or not for free as such, but, you know, without the, the weekly subscription or monthly if it's platinum. And platinum, obviously, that's full. That's limited to 20 slots. Um, just due to the nature of it, the more people that use the higher-grade software, the less efficient it actually becomes in terms of being the highest-grade software. Um, and from an infrastructure level, it's not, 
it's not economical to scale to huge amounts of numbers. It's um, it's not viable to do that necessarily. So that's why that's limited to the twenty slots. But that's always been full. Um, you know, those slot those slots are highly sought after. We had one come open yesterday and it was snapped up within the hour and we also had another one come up today and that was snapped up again within the hour. So there's a lot of people sitting waiting, you know, looking to snap up oh, that spot when it comes for, to the, for the platinum spot, there's only twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that probably has to do with the, the nodes and everything. Uh I would imagine. Okay. Awesome man. Um cool, cool. Yeah, I really enjoy how you kind of have a, a tiered system where everybody can participate at the same time as a business model that kind of keeps it exclusive. And I know a lot of people don't like that, but a business model needs to be somewhat sustainable and you have to have tiers, you know, in order for things to survive oftentimes. So, yeah, so there's no limits on the, the three tiers, the bronze, silver and gold. Right. The limit only exists on the, the, the top tier, like I mentioned, because um, it's not practical to scale that to huge numbers. Um, it no longer becomes efficient at large numbers. Um, so it's, it's not really practical to, to scale that out, and that's why it had to be capped. But the three below it, they're not capped, so anybody that can subscribe to them. And obviously, as our numbers have, have grown, we've you know expanded our network. We're always adding new servers. And um, another thing that's quite important is we, we don't just run off you know like a single server or a, you know two servers. We have... Um, we have three pools um, of servers. So we have servers that this bronze and silver tier utilize. Um, and, you know, these are worldwide. So we've got um, servers in Europe, we've got servers in Asia, and we've got servers in the North America. So obviously, wherever the transactions are landing first across the globe, you're getting um, the fastest response time to those transactions being seen. And then we have a clone of that um that pool of servers for the gold tier, which, you know, has some extra. So, for example, the, the silver and bronze tier might only have North America and Virginia, but the um, the gold tier has Virginia plus it has um, California. So it's, you know, got East and West Coast. And then the platinum tier, again, has, you know, its own pool of servers, and that has some extra um, third-party software on, on top of it, which, you know, gives you faster access to the mempool, um, and that's why that's able to be so fast and efficient. Well, thank you for answering that. I appreciate it. And it makes sense. Are you are you guys going to – are you satisfied with the kind of tiers you have now and you plan on leaving those the same? Yeah, so the, the tiers have never actually changed. Um, Platinum was introduced after launch. That was something that came in after the fact. But the only thing that's changed with the tiers has been the, the entry requirement. So obviously, as as an if we start moving up the market cap to where it becomes unviable to ask somebody to hold 0.25% and say that costs you know, 70, that's, that's not practical to ask people to, to hold that. As um, you know, market cap, cap uh, climbs, etc. And right. in terms of the, the limitations or the, the accessibility of the, the tiers themselves, we're pretty happy with them at the moment. Right. And do you guys plan on adding adding on any more features to Sonic in the future? You guys working on anything else? Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're in our TG or you know following our socials, um, you know we're constantly adding new features and expanding. So we just announced um, maybe a week or two ago that we're taking the steps to, to looking towards Shibarium for when that launches. Um, so we'll be looking to get in there, uh, get our foot in the door and get software out for that as early as possible. Um, we ran a poll just a couple of days ago um, asking, obviously, the community and the user base, would they be interested in, you know, BSC and our uh, 
uh, Arbitrium and obviously the poll they decided they wanted both so we're going to tackle Arbitrium first um, so that will be coming you know, in the pipeline soon um, we've got some new features actually that I just announced today they'll be coming out probably next week at this point by the time I manage to get it all out and tested um, for your snipes, your manual buys and your mirrors where it's it's no longer going to be possible for you to get mevved. Um, so there's a big problem right now that cropped up maybe three or four months ago um, where there's the, the mevs are now targeting snipers, not just you know slippage buyers on Uniswap. So we've been working on a system that prevents them from you know including your transactions for profit. Um, so that should come out next week. So even for manual buys, that's going to be a, a big selling point, I believe, is that you can use our manual swap feature with 100% slippage. It doesn't matter. They're not going to get you. So those are, those are the, right. kind of the, the, the short-term, well, some right. of them are long-term, like Arbitrum and the BSC. They're more, mm-hmm. more mid-term kind of things that are probably coming out in the next month or two. But there's, there's always stuff, you know, ongoing and new features and, you know, a lot quality of life stuff as well that we, we reintroduce right yeah it sounds like you guys got big plans and you're going to be around a long time from what uh, i understand and you know judging of how, how many people like the product so i, I love that you guys are uh going over to arbitrum if, if that was actually gonna be in me shortly and if you weren't i was gonna ask you <laughs> hey you think we can get on arb because well one there's not many uh, programs over there um, and two it's I mean arbitrums is getting hot so um, big advantage yeah. you know to we started having that, these tools for their yeah we started that process um, about a week ago I started looking into it and um, because it's a layer two I'm not sure if the software will just fully mirror over one to one without much changes so that will be probably a bigger undertaking to get that across but it's definitely something we're working towards bsc um that works our our code existing code base that will just mirror across one-to-one so that should work straight out of the box um you know without much changes being required from the the code base level so that should be fairly straightforward to come across but everybody was more interested in arbitrum than they were for bsc so we're obviously we're going to push arbitrum through first trying for you know somewhere between you know three four weeks to a month and a half somewhere in that region to hopefully get that pushed out and it depends on what happens with Shibarium because when that comes out that's going to be you know everything's going to move to there for the period of time don't know how long that'll last obviously we'll see but we're going to try and get in there early with that to make sure we hit hit the ground running for that coming out Um, the consensus is probably that that's going to use Polygon's tech Um, so we we actually done Doge Chain back when that came out and we were able to get that out quite quickly and that used um, the Polygon stuff. So if it is the same text they're using under the hood, then we should be able to get that out, you know, probably day one, if not day two. Awesome. Man, Dose Chain, what a what a garbage chain that was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I had shit, for a, week or a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I was, out of all my friends, I, I'm, I've, I'm not even joking, I'm pretty sure that I'm the only one that made money. And that was because I got super lucky. I, uh, I I don't know. I bought this one project, did a 3X. And I just doubled my, my stack, and I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think the biggest point is what are they going to use for their, you know, are they going to use Etherscan? Are they, have they contacted Etherscan to get the software? Because I believe you have to pay for it. So if, if they've got that up and running, it's, it's a must. Um, obviously, Doge Chain they used that open source software, and it was you know it was dreadfully slow. It didn't work very well. So, if if they don't have that, 
then it's going to be difficult for to, to you know survive almost. Because um, without it, you know, you're kind of lost without Ederson. Yeah, I agree. So, regarding long-term vision for your project, where do you guys, where do you see yourself in the project? Say the middle of next bull run. Do you have any kind of ideas or dreams about that? Yeah, so obviously by that point we should have you know multiple chains supported. Um, can't say for sure what sort, what features and stuff we'll have out by that point, but we've obviously we'll definitely be here come next bull run, um, whenever that is, maybe towards the end of this year, going into next year. It's hard to say really, but by that point, obviously we want to be, you know, the main player for you know your manual swaps. Um, your snipes, if that's what you want to do, or even your, your mirror trades. Um, so we're obviously here for the long term, and given that obviously this was software I I used before it was Sonic, um, you know, it's, it's also within my best interest personally to, you know, develop the software, which is obviously not always the case with projects. So it's, it's a degree of certainty, I would say, as to, you know, the continued development of the project. Also, I'm not saying that's the reason why, but it's a, it's, it adds to that certainty that it's, it's also a necessity for me to, to keep developing. Right, and that's an excellent, excellent explanation of what you guys are going to do and kind of how you see things developing. Um, and I think you guys will be here then, too. Um, does anybody have any questions in the audience for Sonic? Eric's here. I've never heard you speak. What about you? Just kidding. <laughs> Let's go. Anybody? That's what they're here for to answer questions. If anybody has them, uh, we appreciate you guys coming. Any questions are welcome. Are welcome to come up. Cairo, do you have anything else to ask him question-wise? I think he covered the majority of the technology behind it. And, you know, we talked about the philosophy and he covered some real ground today. Uh, Sonic, do you have anything else to add, like, about your product and kind of anything else at all? I, I do have uh, one more question. And um, that is uh, – and also, by the way, would love to have you guys back uh, once you build out some of these other things. And I'm pretty sure you'll be the only – uh, sniping software and Arbitrum. So um, it'd be cool to talk about that. Um, and it'd be really cool to get like one of these Arbitrum a daily and these, these, you know, guys that cover all the Arbitrum stuff. It'd be cool to get you guys on a space with us and them and just kind of get the word out there that, to all these people too, you know, that you're on Arbitrum and get that fan base. Um, but I was wondering, um, who was your, who was your main competitor or competitors? And what competitive advantage do you have over them? Yeah, so probably um, I would have to say it's probably tough token. Eh, not tough token because that's a different utility, but um, tough sniper is probably the only one that comes close to you know the, f the functionality and the feature set of what we offer. Um, obviously, that's not token based. I believe that's just a subscription model and not you know, tied to a token or anything. Um, but in terms of what we offer as an advantage to them, um, it's my understanding of how that works with, with their system is um, they, they 
run on a smaller, you know, scale in terms of the 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 node pools around the world, and we have several users in our you know user base already who did use that software, um, and you know we've we've been faster. There's, there's actually been a couple of people within us um, within our community that have had races to a certain extent against against that platform, and um, you know, and I think to my knowledge, we've always we've always came out ahead. Um, but our platinum tier, like I touched on, is you know you, you won't beat it in terms of speed or functionality in the space, and um, definitely not from a public level and even from a private level. You know, to get somebody with the knowledge to build that kind of software for you, it would it would cost you a lot more than you know what it would to to run it for two years as a subscriber, for example, probably head and shoulders above. Um, and in terms of the functionality itself, obviously I'm not too familiar with Tough. I've only seen and heard and looked, you know, briefly at it. But in terms of the complex scenarios and stuff that we we handle for launches, I believe we we're head and shoulders in that aspect as well. Um, and plus, we run all in one package where they have, I think they have two, a mirror and a sniper, but I think they're both separated. So you know, you'd have to buy both or you, one or the other. Whereas with us, you know, you've you've got access to all three as part of your your subscription or your, your token holdings. Plus, obviously, any other features or functionality that we bring out, like we've never brought out new features that you didn't have access to with your current holdings, and we never will do either. You know, anything new that we bring out, if you're already a holder and a subscriber, you know, you'll have access to the new stuff as well. We're not going to ask for more for new functionality or anything that, that comes out. Okay, very well. Yeah, that that's kind of what I heard as well. I I heard the people using Tough and everything, and again, cool, cool tools and um, another another uh, very awesome team. But um, you know, obviously, there's one's going to be better, right? One's going to be faster. Maybe maybe some friendly competition is good, and it it drives all the teams to kind of keep on their toes and push things forward. Uh, but I, I've I've used uh, your guys platform for a little while now um i probably only use it for about five percent of my trades because i always use my phone uh, versus my computer oh i, I did want to ask that am i because uh, i haven't even tried am i able to use your platform for my iphone yes you are sure it's the same application Damn. you just access Let's it go and um, you don't have to use the browser inside your wallet either so you can use you know chrome or safari if you're on an iphone and um, you just cool. log in the same way you do online and it works the exact same way it does through your desktop as well um obviously i'm assuming you have already but if you've not set up the the telegram notifications um so that obviously you get notified of things that happen on the system so if you've got a snipe set up or if you've got a manual buy and you execute detects a rug and it sells for you, you know you'll get those notifications on telegram anyway so you can just quickly quickly log oh, in oh really yeah like like to my personal and like i'm chatting with like a bot and it what does it all tell you i didn't even know that yeah so um if you when you're on the application at the bottom left hand side where it shows your wallet address and the logout button there's a little settings button if you click on that and then you can input your telegram id if you don't know it um, if you go on like our main chat and type forward slash notifications, it'll give you the details on how to set that up. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah, so so yeah. even if you rugged, for example, but the bot doesn't sell for you because the the 
transaction cost will be more than your token amount. You'll get a notification to say why. It'll say, you know, your tokens were worth 0.1, but the transaction was going to cost 0.2, so we didn't sell for you. Um, and it gives you, obviously, the transaction that was the scam transaction. So you'll get notifications anytime anything happens on the system regarding your wallets or your executes or anything. You'll get notifications so you know to go check. Dude, this is epic. I mean, classical example of me not fully researching the stuff that I buy and use. Uh, but also, this is exactly why we do these spaces under the radar. What things are out there that we're not sure about? Uh, man, this is this is going to make my life amazing because I'm always on the go, which is why I use my phone. I work from anywhere in the world, and lately I've been all over the place. So <laughs> good to know, man. Cool. Yeah, no worries. I think we have one question so far, if that's okay, Sonic. Yeah, sure. All right, let's let him up. Pelts, I'm going to unmute you, and you're welcome to speak. Thank you. Go ahead, Pelts. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Can you hear me? Hey, man. Yeah, we can hear you. What's going on, Sonic? Question for you. So as the price continues to go up, hopefully that's where we're going, which I believe it will. What are your thoughts on the tokenomics as far as like holders go with having half percent, one percent, one and a half percent to access these different tiers on the platform? Any plans of changing that or tweaking it as the price grows? Yeah, sure. So I think I touched up on that already. So definitely if if and when the price, you know, starts going up. We will revisit the requirements to hold. We've already done that already. Um, everything's been lowered once already as we obviously started to claim in market cap. Um, and we'll definitely revisit again in future um, if and when that time comes. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, that, that was all. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for coming on, Pelts. Does anybody else have any questions for the Sonic team or Sonic? If not, I think we're ready to wrap up. Unless, Sonic, you have anything else you want to share about your project and any other questions from Cairo? Yeah, I mean, sorry, Cairo, go ahead. Oh, oh I was just going to uh, also mention, I thought it was really cool how you guys expanded into Sonic Suite from Sonic Sniper. I love the rebrand, and you were quick to adapt and add more things. Um, even the manual swap, like, I mean, you know, anyone can use that, too. Uh, and it's awesome because um, that, that it's, it's, it's no fees if you hold a little bit, right? But anyone can use the manual swap uh, without holding tokens, correct? Yeah, so the manual swaps, um, it's not completely free to use as such, so you don't have to use uh, hold any tokens. So at the moment, if you hold no tokens, you can use the manual swap, but you're charged uh, 0.5%. Um, so if you buy, you know, one ETH worth of tokens, it's going to cost you 0 0.005 in fees to use it. Um, only on your buy transactions, it doesn't apply to your sales. So if you hold no tokens, that small tax is applied. Um, I think Kiba does something similar, but they, they're a higher tax, I believe, and they work both ways. Um, but it's only your buy when you use through Sonic. Or if you hold 0.1%, which is 1 million tokens, um, you, you're exempt from that tax on all your manual swaps. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I think Kiba might be 1% or something. I don't know. Me and CF have gotten absolutely wrecked on Kiba swap before, uh, swing trading some USDC and ETH. And I mean, goddamn, it's like, 
<laughs> you know, you, you just don't think about this stuff. So it's good to be aware. That's why I wanted to ask. So there is a fee unless you hold a little bit of tokens. And see, that's what's interesting is like the antithesis of a lot of uh, or, uh, meme projects and everything is they're building a swap. And a lot of projects are we're building a swap. Uh, and I just wanted to point that out because with your brand expansion um, and vision expansion, it's like you guys have a swap that is faster than Uniswap. It's the best swap out there, in my opinion, and has the most features. It works the cleanest, the fastest, the smoothest. And people don't even know. They think it's Sonic Sniper. And it's like, no, you can actually just use this versus Uniswap and all that other bullshit. And uh, obviously, you can tell I'm a little partial here. Um, uh, yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to point that out and, and say I think it was awesome you expanded and let everybody know uh, if you're tired of Uniswap and failed transactions and you don't want to hold tokens or use a sniper, uh, you don't need to hold tokens to, to use it. You just pay a little bit of a fee. But I think the required holding is like super tiny. Um, so um, anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, I just realized as well, um, I don't think I touched on any of the, the niche utilities that we also offer outside of the three main ones. So, um, so if we've got some time, I, I can cover them just now if you want. Uh, sure. Hey, well, I, I do have a, a VC I got to jump on in a group in about three minutes. But if you can, if you can make it concise, I'll, we absolutely would love to hear it. And as I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you back on once you get on Arbitrum uh, and maybe, you know, uh, we'll get someone else on Arbitrum on here as well. Yeah, sure. It'd probably be too much to cover, you know, in three minutes. So I'll just say, obviously, if anyone's interested in finding out any more, about obviously those other niche utilities that we offer as well as everything we've already spoken about you know they can go they can join our telegram um, everybody we've got mods and stuff in there that are happy to help you i'm in there every day as well answering questions so if you if you want to know any more of that information feel free to jump in or even you know send us a message on twitter and we'll we'll let you know roger thank you so much uh Sally, for coming on it was a great ama and I, I got a lot of questions answered i hope everybody else got something out of it too um, we'll definitely have you back on down the road and see how things are progressing. Um, yeah, I appreciate you. And thank you everybody else for coming. Uh, we really appreciate you guys being here and your support and Sonic does too, I, I imagine. So thank you. All right. Cheers guys. Well, I look forward to speaking again soon. Um, so just reach out when, you know, especially when you get on Arbitrum and stuff and, uh, let's kind of have like a part two and you can talk about sure, this. I just want to add to that as well is obviously we won't have another token for Arbitrium or BSC. It'll all be tied to our ETH token. Um, so there'll awesome. be nothing else. That obviously you want to buy on Arbitrum to use it on Arbitrum. It'll just always be through the same token on ETH. Ah, thank God. I hate when teams do a bunch of bridging and copying and relaunches. and You got five freaking tokens on five chains. It's like, why can't we just use one, you know? So, love that. Roger. All righty. All right, guys. Great AMA. Thank you so much for coming again, Sonic. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. All right. Bye, guys. Under the Radar. Under the radar.